gentlemen, that greed, for lack of a better word, is good. Greed is right. Greed works. Greed clarifies, cuts through, and captures the essence of the evolutionary spirit. Greed in all of its forms. Greed for life, for money, for love, knowledge, has marked the upward surge of mankind. And greed, you mark my words, will not only save Teldar paper, but that other malfunctioning corporation called the USA. Thank you very much. going on my friends welcome back to the rotobomb podcast pete davidson here as always it's saturday so it's dfs time yes we want cash money and yes greed is good um hope you hope you enjoyed that little intro i did there um i think the intent is obvious um but i think this is one of those weeks where we have to be a little bit careful and this and look this is something that for me is becoming you know like my core life philosophy when it comes to you know well DFS philosophy, um, is that I need to always think greedy. Um, I think all of us sometimes, especially maybe when we start to get a little tired, we've been working on lineups for an hour, we're starting to get frustrated that we can't find that thing that we just absolutely love. That is not a time to settle. It's a time maybe to walk away. It's a time maybe to put everything down, go have a beer, do something that relaxes you, whatever, and then come back and look at it with fresh eyes. Maybe it's a time to go look at a different game, evaluate from a different angle. I think one thing that, um, one of my favorite movies from when I was younger was Dead Poet Society, where, you know, uh, the teacher, Robin Williams, gets up in the desk and gets every kid in the classroom to look at the room from a different angle. Yeah, I know, everybody knows that scene, blah, 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 but DFS, I, you know, looking at DFS from different angles as we go through our weekly process is invaluable. Um, and sometimes when you're using those different angles, you might notice that, hey, I'm, I'm, why am I on this guy? He doesn't have upside. I can't put this guy in a GPP lineup. And we really always want to be asking ourselves these questions. Yes, we want value. Yes, we want guys who can, you know, go 2x, 3x, 4x, 5x, right? Of course. But if you have too many low upside guys, who cares if your whole lineup goes 2x? I mean, we need we need a lot more than just that. So there are going to be times where we accept, like with Troutman last week. Um, you know, I said this guy might do nothing, and wow, he did nothing. But by the same token, a lot of people using that floor play at tight end got into a different build that actually worked. And oddly enough, Troutman teams did really well, even though he sucked, right? So we, you know, there are times where we take a step back to go forward, where we're saying, all right, we're not doing this particular thing for upside, but we feel like it could unlock upside at other positions. Okay, you've got a means to an end there, right? So uh, really, but that's sort of the way I'm at when it comes to upside in my GPP lineups, is if, if a player doesn't have the upside I want, well, he better have a really good reason for being in my lineup. Um, and this week, that player maybe, um, you know, is uh, is going to be Olamide Zacharias. Uh, Zacchaeus, excuse me, um, on the Falcons. Um, and, you know, when I look at him this week, I'm thinking of him as my tight end. Okay, cool. I've got a 3K tight end who I think could get as much as, say, eight targets. Not bad. And then, I, you know, that allows me to get to Kittle um, or perhaps one of the other elite tight ends. I love Kittle this week. I know he's going to be monster owned, but. If that combination of players gets me to a very high score, I can go find my differentiation plays elsewhere, right? Um, anyway, so this is a week where things have changed a lot during the week. Obviously, we've had we've had multiple games moved off the slate, um, and they were good games, or at least they, they were games that had some good stuff in them. So the field has gotten smaller, and I think when it happens during our week, 
we feel that loss maybe a little bit more psychologically. Um, so one thing you got to do is get those games out of your damn head. Don't you know? Don't worry about what was lost, and let's focus on the board that we're going to play. Uh, you know, one of the advantages of having a smaller slate, and this is the main slate, but it's a, a small-ish main slate, like a big bye week that you know we might see on a week like that. You, it is easier to see the whole board in your mind, and when you're when you're like me and you're doing, you know, somewhere between say eight and twenty lineups, probably um, that can be a really beneficial thing. Um, so this is still a big board for me. My goal is to just whittle it down um, to the plays I really want to make, and then the plays that I need to help me get to those plays in some of my lineups. Um, so what I'm going to do here is a slate walk, and like I said earlier in the week, I'm I'm definitely going to do. Uh, two podcasts this week. Now, my initial goal was to do sort of about a half hour's worth of theory um, that really related to the intro. Um, but I feel like this week is it's tough enough where this is not a good week to spend 30 minutes on theory. Well, I'm going to save that stuff for a different podcast. Um, and let's just work on the slate. So what we're going to do today, this is going to be my slate walk. I'm just going to go through the main slate, the games, where I'm at with them now, obviously, I still have more research to do. I'm recording this around noon on Saturday. Um, but tomorrow morning, um, when I get off air, my, I should be off air at about 9 a.m. Uh, my plan is to basically just leave the mic in place, switch from, from terrestrial to local, and just sort of keep talking. Um, and, and, and do a nice sort of 30-minute um, podcast uh, that you guys hopefully will be able to listen to as early as, say, 10 a.m., hopefully. Um, and you know, and what I'm going to do with that is really show you what I've whittled everything down to, hopefully, and then also let you know what you know what games I decided to really get into more, uh, which quarterbacks I'm going to have the most exposure to, um, so on and so forth, stuff like that. Uh, and look, I know you guys, most of you guys are more than willing to overrule me anyway, which is great. Um, so let's let's walk through this, right? We've got what one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, what ten games. Um, Yeah, 10 games, um, and uh, we'll start with the 1 o'clock, go to the 4 o'clock. There, I can't say there's one game in here that I have no intention of touching. Um, there are games where I'm definitely not going to try to play game stacks. Like I don't think I'm going to do game stacks with the Eagles, um, and I'm certainly not looking to do game stacks um, with like the Colts and the Browns. Um, you know, basically stay away from the slow game, slow games uh, where game stacks are concerned. But some uh, standalone plays in those games. Um, so let's start um, at the top of my board, and that's going to be uh, the Panthers at the Falcons. And you know, this is a game where you know the, the Falcons you know play pretty fast. They're obviously going to throw a ton. Um, you know, certainly, you know, it's a team that gives up a lot of yards after the catch and Carolina is a team that likes to set yards up, you know, up after the catch. So, you know, this is a game I definitely want to be involved in. Um, now game stacking, it is sort of weird because there's no pieces that I really want to get involved with on, on the Atlanta side other than maybe Hayden Hurst and, um, Zacchaeus. So, you know, Probably, and you know, I'm not going to play Pat Ryan just in case, Matt Ryan, excuse me, just in case any of you guys want to, because anytime I touch Matt Ryan, he turns to stone. So I'm off Matt Ryan. Doesn't necessarily mean you have to be. Um, I, I'm considering some Teddy Bridgewater stacks, and, you know, in my mind, I don't want it to have too much to do with the fact that he ran for a touchdown last week. I like the way he looked on that run. I like, you know, the one thing about Teddy Bridgewater, he's not the most mobile quarterback, but he is a mobile quarterback. And the thing about Teddy is he's very smart about when he chooses to run. He, he, he runs for football reasons, um, but he will take some chunks here and there. Uh, and he showed us that he's capable of scoring a touchdown. Now that, anyway, it was like a, it was like a 20 yard run. Um, so that ability moves him into, you know, now he's a guy where if he has a nice day with his arm and happens to tack on a rushing touchdown, hey, Teddy Bridgewater get up into the 30s. Um, and, you know, at 5,900 units, um, that puts him in play, I think, in GPPs. Um, and maybe even in cash if he wanted to go there. I, I don't. I don't think I can go Teddy in cash, but I do think Teddy's in play this week. I maybe I'll build one or two Teddy lineups, um, but obviously there's a lot more to talk about in this game. And and here's the, the thing for me: I look at the Carolina players and they all feel underpriced. You know, DJ Moore, 
at 6K, Robbie very much so at 5,900, and then even Curtis Samuel, who I know everyone's, you know, people just rolling their eyes when they heard the name, I'm sure, but 4,800 units against a team that gives up major yak. They could be leaning heavily on Anderson and Moore, uh, and obviously Davis, who's handling tons and tons of touches. If they just time a few um, balls to Samuel, he can take the top off the thing um, on a short route. I mean, he can he can take a little a, a little you know a little dump off and take it to the house. He can take a slant to the house. He can take a reverse to the house. Um, so in a game like this at 4,800 units, where nobody's going to be playing him, um, I think you know you could you could you know I think. Davis combined, I, I could see myself making a lineup with Davis and DJ Moore, another one with Davis and Robbie, and then another one with Davis and Samuel, and see if I can get one of those to really hit. Um, I think Davis at 6,400, if we look at his usage, you guys know, I mean, I'm really impressed with the way he's run um, and the way he's catching the football. Um, he's just a very complete running back, you know, which is, you know, if you go back to the original rookie report we, we wrote on this guy, um, that was what we liked about him is that he's a three down running back. Um, so at 6,400, he's going to be chalk this week. Uh, and, and let's, that's something to actually hit. There's, it, it seems based on what I'm hearing from a lot of the galaxy brains in the industry, it looks like this week's going to boil down to a lot of people playing. Mike Davis, a lot of people playing Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, a lot of people playing Zeke, and then a fair amount of people playing Kareem Hunt. Um, now, obviously, I was bummed to hear that. <laughs> I don't have a great feel for ownership rates like some people, like Levitan, do. Um, but, you know, I was on those four players, so I was like, oh, bummer, okay. So they're still the best plays. They're still plays that I'm going to use a ton. Uh, but I do think it's worth noting that they're not the only plays um, at running back. Uh, and we're going to get to that uh, as we work through this thing. So uh, Carolina, Atlanta, look, you've got a game where the point totals, you know, cl cleanly over 50. It's uh, at about, what, 53-something. Um, so it's, it's certainly a game where there's going to be a lot of offense. Um, you know, stacking from the quarterback position in this game, I might do just a little bit, but I want involvement in this game. And I think, you know, Zacchaeus at 3K, um, I, I posted a thing uh, on Twitter this morning, I, you know, this is a player I scouted. I mean, I watched a fair amount of his film at Virginia, and the guy he always reminded me of... Well, I mean, it was actually... It was actually two guys. Um, if, if for those of you who remember Bruce Ellington, um, he reminds me a lot of Bruce Ellington, um, and then also Jeremy Curley. He's just he's one of these players who's very aware. Um, he's sort of you know he's a baller. You know he's a guy where his football ability is probably a level above his athletic ability, but it's not like he's some kind of dog. He has some athletic ability. He's got some suddenness to his game, but he's one of those players who's really aware, um, and he understands how to play each individual play. He's the kind of guy a coaching staff is going to like um, and he has stuck long enough in Atlanta now to start becoming relevant um, what I'm really working up to here is that he's a player I do have a comfort level with in terms of his skill set and when I see him at 3k if we can assume that Julio's not going to play and I don't I don't know how safe that assumption is it sounds like it's a pretty safe assumption and it's a one o'clock game so we're going to have prior knowledge as long as Julio isn't a game time decision I'm going to probably be comfortable with as much Zacchaeus as I need in my lineups. Uh, could be in a very high percentage, could be more like 50, 40, 30. It's going to depend on where lineup construction takes me. But this is a player who, you know, I, you know, again, assuming Julio's out, his role should be in the area of six, seven, eight, nine, ten targets. Not some of them, not of the high value variety. Don't get me wrong, um, but this is a capable football player. I think. Here's maybe a good way to put it. You know, for years, we saw Mohamed Sanu in this role. And a lot of people like Sanu. And I was always sort of down on him because I never felt he brought, he brought quite enough to the table. Um, and he was never really cheap enough either. I think this guy's actually a, a much more capable fantasy point scorer than a guy like Sanu. Um, and if that role is there for him this week, I, you know, the only bad part about it is that everybody seems to have figured it out, so it's not like we're going to be sneaking this guy in the lineups. He will be owned. Um, so is there anything else I want to look at in this game? Um, 
I, I think Hurst is in play at 4,700 units, particularly if it helps you get to a lineup build that you really like. Um, again, if Julio's out, uh, certainly the ball could flow his way uh, a fair amount. Um, Ridley coming off a bad week, and he's been hurt, and he's all the way up at 7,500. Man, if I go to 7,500 for Ridley, I'm just going another four to get to Nuke. Um, so I don't see myself owning a whole lot of Ridley, and if he does hit... Man, I mean, I you know my job is just to make sure that I use that money in a slightly better way. Um, so I, I don't, I'm not worried about fading him. Um, dropping down to Raiders uh, at the Chiefs. Uh, this is a one o'clock game, which is sort of interesting. And you know, based on just sort of what I'm hearing in terms of buzz, it's not necessarily going to be a game, um, you know, where people are really looking to jump into it. And I think in GPPs that could give us a little bit of an opportunity just because this is a game where all the Raiders need to do is show up and make some just a couple splash plays in the first half um, and we've got ourselves a game that where the scores could go up and I mean Vegas has it over 50 although it's in oblong fashion right uh, over 50 but with the Chiefs heavily favored um, so we worry about those games sometimes because you know Oakland's a team that wants to generally slow things down and run a lot um, what we want to do is see the Chiefs force them out of that, but then they need to succeed a little bit. Um, now, one thing about the structure, I don't know, you know, are, 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 are the Chiefs going to get into a place where they're going to just run the clock out? You know, CEH isn't really built to do that, and they don't really have a pounder behind them right now um, who I think they would use in that role. So it is, you know, fairly possible that even if this game doesn't go ham, there's still plenty um, of meat on the bone. Um, now, the, the the tough thing about this game for me is there's a lot of places I think that um, are worth exploring, and obviously we're not going to we're not going to play all of them. Um, but you know, sounds like everybody and their mother wants to play um, Clyde Edwards Solaire, and look, I absolutely see why, and I plan on using a fair amount of them myself. Um, I I guess the thing that sort of surprises me about him being so you know high owned is it's not like he's you know posted forty point games. He's mostly left people wanting. I mean he's been he's had some floor to him because of the role, but he hasn't really gone nuts yet. So um, I guess a lot of people are you know have fear of missing out on that. I'm not sure, but look, it, it's a it's a good spot, um, and it's not like he's priced up to the moon. Uh, so I absolutely will have some Clyde Edwards Hilaire, but. I'm almost positive I'm probably going to maybe push that. You know, I think my exposure to him probably ends up being lower than his his ownership percentage um, because what I'm going to want to do is really try to get a piece of this game um, or really a piece of the Chiefs in as many lineups as I can. I'm not saying I'm going to have a Chief in every, in every lineup because when you game stack, you, you, you will push some things out. But, you know, you, 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 know, you play Tyreek. He's a good leverage against Hilaire. If you play Kelsey, he's leverage against Hilaire, and he would be leverage against a heavily owned uh, Kittle. Um, I think Watkins at 4,500, I mean, I, I get that you don't want to load your lineups up with Sammy Watkins. I mean, I don't plan on having, you know, 30% exposure to Sammy Watkins or anything like that, but I do think that, you know, fitting in some Sammy Watkins it makes sense because if it hits you're sitting there with low investment on a game that other people may be made a high investment on and you could get more points out of it. And obviously that sets you off in a very appealing direction. So um, I think, you know, exposure to all of these Chiefs pieces makes sense. I think, you know, sort of feathering it to the point where it's sort of optimal is what you want to sort of find. And I, I think one way to do that is to not put Edward Solaire in every lineup. Now, I, again, I think at price, he can beat that. He can go... You know he can pay off at 6,800 pretty easily, but since the whole field's going to be on him, um, the advantage to playing him will be a little bit less than it would have been if they if they weren't. Um, and again, I just think there are ways to build off of it. And then of course there are also you know playing Mahomes. I do plan on having some Mahomes lineups. So when you play Mahomes, you can double dip. You can play Mahomes with Ceh and Kelsey, Ceh and Tyreek, Ceh and Watkins. I mean, maybe I will try to do. You know that you know, uh, and then grab some pieces um, on some of my non-Mahomes teams, um, and then on the Raiders side of the ball, there also I think a lot to like. I mean, look, Jacobs. The game script says if he's not catching any passes, you're probably in trouble. But the game script isn't locked in, you know, etched in stone. I mean, we may not get the game script we expect. So, uh, and you know, 
All they need to do, I mean, look, Gruden does some unusual things. He's a little bit set in his ways. You know, there's some hubris there at times. But the other side of the coin is that this guy knows more football. You know, he's forgotten more about football than I'll ever know. Um, so he's, you know, he's a smart enough guy to know I'm overmanned here or overmatched. They've got more manpower than I do. They've got more stud players on offense than I do. If I take Jacobs out of the game because this game gets off poorly, I'm going to try to then go catch up to the Chiefs using Renfro, Waller, and Aguilar, and Ruggs. Like, that's going to be tough to do. Like, they need to incorporate Jacobs no matter what the game script is. So it's possible a bad game script could lead to more Jacobs than we think in ways that we're not anticipating. And at 6,300 at low ownership, you know, there's some reasons to, to get a little Jacobs into your lineup. Now, am I going to do 40% Jacobs? No, no way, because of all the reasons that I talked about. But I do think having some Jacobs, some Jacobs, uh, makes a little sense. Perhaps um, as a comeback and a Mahomes stack. You know, I think Jacobs makes sense that way. Waller makes sense that way. Um, I think Renfro, Ruggs. If Ruggs is ruled out for some reason, which I don't think he will be, but if he is, um, I think Aguilar at 3,600 is somebody that nobody really... Like nobody wants to play Nelson Aguilar because he's got so much bad vibe over his career, you know, the strip club and all the drop balls and stuff. But man, he has looked really good as a Raider. I mean, he's back, you know, on the on the West Coast. Um, you know, he's not in Cali where he's from, but he's close. And I think I think he likes it better out there than Philadelphia. Um, so you know, there are a lot a lot of ways to go uh, potentially in this game, um, and you know, a lot of the games are like that this week. So you know. Certainly, you know, when it looks when I look at the Raiders, I think probably I'm going to be confined to maybe, you know, if Ruggs got gets ruled out, I will definitely be getting some Aguilar into my lineups, and I'll probably, you know, with Edwards out, Aguilar should get some run anyway, you know. So I may like if I'm sitting there like, wow, I love this lineup, but I only have 3,600 units to complete my lineup. I need a receiver, yeah, maybe I'll go Aguilar in that spot. Um, maybe I'm not telling you guys to go do that, but. I'm definitely above consensus on this player, particularly at this level in a game where they could be chasing. Um, and then, you know, really the only other Raiders I think, well, the only other Raider I think that I would use as sort of a one-off, um, not as a bring back or part of a game stack or whatever, um, is Waller. I think Waller at 5,900 units uh, makes plenty of sense uh, as a standalone play here. Um, okay, let's drop down to the Cardinals at the Jets. Uh, this is a game where the pace, oddly enough, looks positive. The Jets are bad, but they play fast bad, or bad fast. <laughs> They're sort of like Wendy's or something. Um, you know, it's, it's not good, but at least you get it quickly. Um, so the Jets will run a lot, but they... They, they, they don't use a lot of clock between runs. So the Jets do allow for some pace here. Um, and then I think that there's a good chance that Arizona may end up matching up really well against the Jets. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, the Jets are really good at breaking down your offensive line, crushing the pocket, stuff like that. But the thing is, this is a quarterback where you break his pocket down, you almost make him more dangerous. So, you know, the Jets could have some... This is a game where they might find some defensive success, but when they're not finding defensive success, they're getting crushed like the Jets. So the thing that appeals to me in this game is the thin... Uh, touch distribution on the Arizona side. Um, I think the Nuke-Kyler stack can make a lot of sense. I think standalone Nuke can make a lot of sense. It's just a matter of getting to it. Um, and, you know, I'll talk about... Well, actually, you know what? Let's just... We'll break free from the slate walk just for a second. Uh, and I'm going to go through... I'm going to put these guys together versus... I mean, I'll talk about them when I go through these game environments as well. But I think... If you're looking to find a way to break the mold at running back this week, and look, these these guys are cheap for a reason. So you know, I'm so, you know, apologies if you just ate. But Devonte Freeman, um, forty six hundred units in a game, you know, that we're obviously we're going to talk about a little bit later. But you know, Giants. Dallas, the, the, this game could be played really fast. The Giants could be chasing, which means they could be throwing. Um, and Freeman is the best receiving back they have. And look, I'm gonna I'm gonna flip on my own prediction. I don't think Freeman looked anywhere near as bad as I thought he would. He looked a lot better than I've seen him look the past couple of years. His feet looked a little quicker. Um, he still has that 
tendency to sort of jump step into nowhere. Um, but, you know, I think in a game like this, if you're the Giants and you know, I mean, come on, let's not kid ourselves. You know that the people in the Giants would love to stick the Cowboys a 1-4 or at least play well against this team. Garrett's running the offense, and we, we don't need the, the reasons here are obvious. But they've got a young quarterback who desperately needs to keep his head on straight, right? You can see Daniel Jones. He's grab-bagging a little bit mentally. The back they have that'll help him... Deion Lewis a little bit, but Freeman is that veteran presence, and I think you know he's good in pass protection, really good in his routes. I could see the Giants using Freeman a lot this week just to keep things settled down when they don't have something dialed up that they like. Just get the ball to Freeman, keep the chains moving. It's a little thin because they could play more backs. You know, Freeman gets 33% usage in this. We're screwed doing this. But I, you know, last, you know, he was over 50% snaps uh, last week after being in the 30s the week before. In a game like this, that means to me he could be headed towards 70. And if we get that, I think he pays off at this price. And you get yourself an odd chip in a game where everybody's trying to figure out how to play it. Um, so I think Freeman is worthy of consideration. I think um, David Johnson with Jacksonville's defense a little banged up. He's down to 5,200. I think he's in play as a cheap um, running back move. And and this one, um, it's funny because I, I was just listening to um, Leone and uh, Dinkmeyer's podcast. It's a really good podcast if you have the ability to listen to it. But he actually went to a place... Um, I was sort of bummed because, <laughs> let's face it, my podcast does not move ownership rates. This one does. Um, and he he mentioned Acres. Um, and I listen, using more than like one or two Acres lineups I think is a bad idea because I think this is thin. But if we look at the subtext of last week, it, it, they almost went out of their way not to establish Henderson. And I understand some of it. Situationally, I understand why Henderson came out. But they, you know, there were plenty of spots where they could have gotten him back in there, and they didn't. And the subtext of that could be that they like what they've been seeing out of Acres, and they want to give him a shot once that rib has healed up to the point where it's not risky, and that point is now. Meanwhile, we put them into a game where they should be crushing, right? I mean... I mean, is there any way that the Redskins, excuse me, Washington football team, is going to handle the Rams? I understand they're home, but, I mean, come on, Allen, at quarterback, I, I just don't see how it's going to happen. Not that the old quarterback was any good, but Akers is an interesting GPP dart throw because game script could allow for a substantial running back workload for the Rams. And they may, you know, they may be like, hey, we got this game. We can always put Brown in if, if we get into a situation where we're a little worried, but this is a shot where we put the guy with fresh legs in and see what he can do. And if it goes with game flow, you get to a point where, you know, Washington's going to start getting worn down and the fresh legs will be a little dangerous. You know, if 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 Akers gets 10 touches in the second half and five in the first, it's not outside the realm, he could pay off big at 4K in this game environment. So, um, you know, I think it's something worth consideration. Don't come yelling at me if it doesn't work. This is limited exposure with money you can afford to lose. But I think it's an interesting play. Um, same game, Antonio Gibson um, at 5K, sort of a bet on talent kind of thing. With Allen at quarterback, I think we can count on more RB targets and better RB targets. So I think there's a little more ceiling to Gibson in this game. And then the other one is Jarek McKinnon at 5,800. That's a watch the wire kind of move. If Mostert is playing, I think it's too thin. But if Mostert is out, I think McKinnon becomes something that should be chalky. And the thing is, if it's a late deactivation on Mostert, if we find out late, just based on laziness, a lot of people are not going to... Because it's if, if we've got people who've got a whole bunch of 6K-plus running backs in their lineup, it is not that easy to go push the 5,800 guy in. You're going to have to make multiple changes in their lineup. And I think a lot of people will just look at the chalk and be like, ah, screw it. I'm going to just stick with the chalk. So I think there's going to be some real opportunity for McKinnon, again, if Raheem Mostert doesn't play in a game where Miami's not tackling real well, um, that could be a very interesting way to save some money, get off the chalk, while you're making a really good play. So keep tabs on McKinnon as well. Okay, let's get back uh, to this slate walk. Um, Arizona at Jets. 
Uh, obviously, uh, this game is ugly. It's under 50. But, again, we've got that thin target distribution, um, Nuke and Kyler. We can we can work into that. And then on the Jets side, if you want to do a little game stack and bring something back, you can stay on a typical build by playing like Jeff Smith if you want to get crazy. Like you play like Smith <laughs> and Olamide and all of a sudden you're like, wow, I can do anything I want. Now, <laughs> it might not matter what else you do if those guys don't hit. So I think it's sort of a thin move. Uh, probably the better move is to use Crowder at 5,800. If Arizona smashes the Jets the way we think, uh, Crowder probably gets 10 targets from Joe Flacco. Um, and, you know, as bad as Flacco is, um, he does like throwing at his slot, um, especially at this point of his career. The Jets don't have a whole lot else out there. Uh, so Crowder, to me, would be a pretty safe bring back. And he's a guy who can drop a touchdown or two if you get lucky. Uh, now, am I playing standalone Crowder? No, not really. But, uh, you know, in, in, a, in a Cardinal game stack, I can see it. Um, yeah, nothing else on the Jets side I really want to get involved in. Okay, moving down to Eagles uh, at Steelers. Eagles side of this, not interested, with the exception of Ertz at 5,700. I don't know how much upside there is there, but there's got to be some target floor. I mean, how does he not get 10 targets in this game? It's it's hard to even envision for me. Uh, but the defense is obviously tough, so those aren't exactly upside targets. Um, moving over to the Pittsburgh side, I think the defense has to be in play. Uh, Philadelphia is just beat up along their offensive line. Pittsburgh is just all over quarterbacks. So I think, you know, paying up, um, you know, to the Steelers here, uh, it makes some sense, um, and silly me, I don't have um, the steel. I know it's priced, yeah, thirty-eight hundred. I am more than willing to work my way up to that um, if I can build a lineup around it that I like. Um, Juju up at sixty-seven hundred. I think in GPPs, I can see why you might go there. I'm definitely going to be going after the shiny object, Deontay, with a high target floor against a team that isn't defending particularly well. Fifty-six hundred. I know a lot of people are scared of Slay. I am not that scared of Darius Slay. So, um, am I going to overload myself on Deontay? No, but I think his role, price. Um, and the fact that Pittsburgh, even though they're probably going to get up in this game, you know, if you get up and then turn to the run against the Eagles, you're almost trying to invite them back into the game. I think Steelers will throw the Eagles into oblivion and then go to the run. So there should be plenty of upside with Deontay. Um, I definitely see myself using a fair amount of him this week. Um, you know, am I going to do Big Ben stacks with them? You know, it's viable. It's viable. I might do a little bit of that. I don't think it's going to be a focus. And the main reason is because Roethlisberger is not cheap. He's 6,600. Um, I think Ebron is in play in this game, although I don't know how much. Well, actually, you know what? He could he could score twice here. Yeah, he's in play, he's in play at 4K. I, in GPPs. I wouldn't touch him in cash. Um, moving down to Rams um, at uh, Washington football team. We already talked about this one a little bit. Um, I like Akers as sort of a thin GPP play, um, you know, one or two teams. Um, you know, like if, if I'm on a week where I'm making a lot of lineups, and this could be one of those weeks because um, I feel like I like um, playing GPPs this week. I, I, there are a lot of game stacks I want to try. Um, which leads me to a point. I may have made this already. Sorry, I'm talking really fast. Can't remember everything I said. But... Um, you know, this is a week where I want to do a lot of GPPs, probably leaning more towards that than I normally do. Um, and the thing that I want to make sure is that I'm not putting so much of my bankroll in play that I'm, I'm making myself nervous. So I'm probably going to put a fair amount of GPPs in, but not so much where if everything I do goes to crap, that now I'm like nervous with my bankroll next week. If, you know, and Now, I'm sure what I just said applies to some of you, but, but for others who uh, you're well-to-do, you've got plenty of money to play with, Hey, go hog wild. Have fun with it. I think this is a fun week to play a lot of different stacks, to, to focus on different game environments with different lineups, and not necessarily play like a core lineup all over the place. Um, and again, what we're doing there isn't, we're not trying to play the whole board. What we're trying to do is use our little cheat codes, you know, by correlating and stacking. So when things work, it works throughout our lineup. Um, 
Okay. Um, anything else on this game? Uh, look, I think McLaurin in a GPP is in play. Uh, we don't know what kind of uh, relationship he'll have with this quarterback, so, you know, a little bit of a, sort of a wild card um, play. Um, and then, you know, Woods and Cups, I think, I think this game evolves into a run script for the Rams. So, I mean, if I was going to play cup or woods i'd probably play woods but i think more than likely because these guys are priced up in a game where i don't think they're getting four quarters of offense probably going to stay away from those guys um moving down to bengals um at baltimore uh look lamar's in play but it's not easy to fit in 7900 a quarterback this week uh will i have lamar lineups yeah they're probably not going to be my staple uh when i play lamar i'm definitely not playing him naked i this is just I don't think I I really want to avoid naked quarterback as much as I can this week, and probably I'll use him with Hollywood or Andrews, and then I will bring back either Mixon, T Higgins, or Boyd. Um, probably T Higgins more than anything else, just because I feel like he's got ceiling and at forty nine. You know Boyd. I think Boyd's a good play this week in cash. Certainly a good bring back against Baltimore, but I think Higgins could have more ceiling at a lower cost. Um, and again, a lot of these, these aren't like, so, you know, I might build two of those lineups, okay? Um, anything else in this game? Now, let's let's move down, because I know I'm already going pretty long here. Let's move down to uh, Jaguars uh, at Texans. Uh, this is a game where the Vegas line doesn't, you know, go through the roof. It doesn't get you too excited, but it's over 50. Um, and I think, you know, one of the things about this game Here's where the appeal is. It's just sort of from, from a top-down view. On the Jacksonville side, we've got thin touch distribution. They're talking about Robinson getting the ball even more. I think if you know if there's a pivot off of the really chalky running backs, I think Robinson's a really good one. Um, and if you don't want to go Robinson, you could go Shark. And if you want to mix things up, I think LaVisca at 45 could be good in this game. And the reason I like these guys is because I think, and, and you know, narratives can be really dangerous, okay? I, I try to stay away from them on this podcast as much as I can, but when you look, you know, part of Bill O'Brien's demise was sort of player-driven, right? And when we see that, there is that tendency for these players to, these teams to sort of spike up collectively. Everybody play hard for the new coach, turn, you know, sending a message to the old coach that you shouldn't, what, you shouldn't have talked to us the way you did or, you know, whatever the hell it was. You know, so you know Houston at home is really going to want to show up and play this week. Um, not for Romeo Cornell so much as for themselves. So I, you know, th the fact that I like that whole element, the fact that Vegas has them at almost 30 points, um, and the fact that nobody here is like crazy expensive, um, you know, uh, it, to me it, 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 it makes sense. Um, now let's sort of, I just want to get, you know, you know, how would we go about stacking this game? You know, Watson, obvious in, obviously in play at 6,900 units. But even if you don't want to stack him, you could go to the other side of this and stack off of Minshew. Although Minshew isn't, I don't, I don't know if he's really cheap enough for me to get excited about that. Um, but this is a game where I want pieces. I, you know, nobody's going to be on Brandon Cooks. And look, I ended up not using a whole bunch of them last week. Thank God. Uh, I sort of broke him up with Fuller and I used more Fuller. But, you know, he's... 4,100, the role is going to be the same. Nobody's going to touch this guy. So if, you know, if you want sort of a, a, you know, a cheap guy who nobody's going to be on, I think Cooks, you know, could be that guy. Now, I would limit exposure, but I think, you know, it, it's it's a worthy GPP idea. So is David Johnson at 52, because I think a lot of people, you know, see Duke is back and he, you know, they used him a little bit last week, so they'll fade David Johnson. But that's sort of priced in at 52 uh, in a game that's over 50, and he's home. So you got a home back favored with good Vegas implications, uh, and very few people are going to be playing him. So I'll probably have a little bit of DJ exposure, um, and then I think Fuller's price will scare will scare some people away. Um, I think he's a good play in a GPP here. So you know, uh, if you want to make some Watson teams, I think you stack with Fuller. You can stack with Cooks. You can stack with Johnson. You can do Johnson with either one of those guys, and then you can bring back Shark. Um, and or Robinson, um, and you could bring back both of them because the target distribution and touch distribution over there is thin enough where they're both, even if this game isn't played at a breakneck pace, they're going to get theirs. Um, and if you want to bring back a money-saving uh, um, guy, you can bring back Chanel. 
so this is a game I definitely think I'm going to have a fair amount of exposure to. Uh, and it could be a game, I don't know, but I think it's a game where you may be a little under the radar. The ownership may not be as high um, as we think. Uh, next game up, we're moving into the 4 o'clock games now. And this is going to be uh, the Dolphins at San Francisco. Now, I'm not playing the quarterbacks here. Uh, you know, maybe you could make an argument for playing, like, a cheap uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. But the problem is, he's already not mobile. So, you know, I mean, the only way that works for you is if he hits a ton of yak plays. And for me, I think I'd rather just buy into those things individually versus using Garoppolo. Now, he's at 55, he's priced down, but... You know, for me, I think I'd rather just go a hundred bucks lower and get Daniel Jones um, and his ability to put foot points up in a better game environment, and we'll get to that in a bit. Um, but I think Kittle's going to be chalky, so I'm not going to just like put Kittle in every lineup. But when I can get to Kittle, I'm going to. Uh, we talked about McKinnon. Depending on how things break, he could be a really good play. I think Debo as a dart throw, Ayuk as a dart throw. And I think the thing about the Debo Ayuk dart throws, and if you're worried about Debo's playing time, just use Ayuk. They're, you know, they're Debo's at 53, Ayuk's at 52. You know, if you're of the mind where, nah, everybody's on Kittle, I'm going to get off Kittle. Well, one way to make that work, other than getting on to, you know, Mark Andrews or getting on to Travis Kelsey, is to pivot within this game and play Ayuk or Samuel because I would be really surprised if San Francisco doesn't hit some major yak plays in this game. It's the way they try to play every week and it's the way Miami tends to get beaten, right? So I think I'm going to want a San Francisco chip in a lot of my. Um, GPP lineups, um, either Ayuk, Debo, or Kittle. And I, I, I really like bringing back Devontae Parker uh, at 5,900 units uh, in those lineups. He's moving more and more towards an alpha role. He's healthier. And it's going to be a game where Miami, I think, is going to be chasing. They're going to have to throw. And you don't run on San Francisco. So um, I'm surprised more people aren't talking about Parker this week. He's going to be one of my, I think, uh, more heavily owned receivers. Uh, moving down to Indianapolis, Cleveland. Uh, Colts have played mediocre competition. They haven't played really well. Now they're playing against a team that even with their line, they can get to their quarterback and they can get a lead. So I think the Cleveland defense here, I think is a really underrated play. Um, it's, it's absolutely my preferred cost saving defense, um, this week. Um, I mean, 2,700 units, you're going to be able to hit Phillip Rivers, pick Phillip Rivers, strip Phillip Rivers. Um, I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. So I like the Cleveland defense here. I absolutely like Kareem Hunt a ton here. He's going to be a mainstay in my lineups this week. He's off the injury report. People are going to be scared off of him because he, he wasn't given the alpha role instantaneously last week. But I think there's a couple things to consider there. They had guys who fit the Chubb role, so they didn't have to change the game plan in any way. They just basically, you know, took Johnson, put him in Chubb's role, and it was a running game script because they had the lead. Um, I don't. I think this week it's going to be game planned with Hunt as the alpha in a game that's probably got a ground script. Plus, um, you've got trouble on the back end with Indianapolis. Like their linebackers are a little banged up, dinged up. So Hunt really looks good to me this week. I'm going to be leaning in on him a little bit. And then on the other side, I think for GPPs, if you want to sort of lean into Hunt having a big game, um, a little Pascal or Ty exposure there. Nobody's playing Ty Hilton. Meanwhile, you've got a guy who's got you know, a smash scoring history at 4,900 units. So I think some mild GPP exposure to TY uh, makes a little sense. And, and that that's pretty much where I'm at on this game. Um, I don't know if people are going to be chasing Odell Beckham off of last week or not. Not something I'm really inclined to do. But I do think where I don't have Chubb, I may mess around with a little bit of OBJ at 6,400 Um just because I think the Browns are going to score a lot of points, or or you know score score a fair amount of points, I think they've got a good bet to go over the you know the twenty four points that Vegas has them at. Okay, hey, we still got a good solid 10-15 minutes left for this last game and a, a couple finishing uh, ideas, so that's good. So uh, the last game um, on this little slate walk is going to be the Giants uh, at the Cowboys. 
and I mean, this is so compelling, right? I mean, this is, it's what this game sort of makes this week nerve wracking in some ways because we want to make sure we get it right or at least play it as effectively as possible. Um, but just given what Dallas has done and then given what the Giants have done, this is one of these, you know, it's like something's got to break here um, or does it? Um, so, you know, a couple things. First of all, if you're only making one or two lineups this week, you're going to have to make a hard choice. How is this game going to break? How do you want to play it? I think one way this game could break is that Dallas just kills the Giants, right? I mean, you know, the Dallas has been struggling mostly against better teams than this. Um, and, you know, Dallas has been, you know, again, air quote struggling, right? They've been losing football games. They've been scoring tons of points. They've been playing faster than anybody else in the league. So uh, I think... The Giants should be forced into Dallas's pace, unless the Giants can somehow come out here and dominate. And you know, and even then, I think Dallas is then going to be fighting back, and we still have shootout potential. Um, but I do think Dallas just winning this thing clean is a possibility. And the way to play that with with the Dallas guys, the Dallas guys now priced up a bit, not all of them, but most, uh, is to just you know play Zeke with New York comebacks, right? You know Zeke Slayton, Zeke Ingram, Zeke Freeman. Uh, I didn't mention his name, and nobody, I haven't heard anybody talk about him. But I mean, is there anybody out there who thinks there's no shot that Golden Tate could have a big game here? Golden Tate could be like six balls for 80 yards and two touchdowns. Easily. He could easily do that. Um, now, am I playing a lot of Golden Tate in lineups? No. But I'm absolutely going to have some exposure to Golden Tate at 4,600 units on a week where it's like, man, I can't find good receiver plays, right? So working him into some of these game stacks, I think, it makes a lot of sense. Um, so um, the big question here is, do we want the players? Do we want the quarterbacks? If we want the quarterbacks, which ones do we want? Um, I personally like Dak this week. I think he's sort of, I'm not sure how he fails um, because it's not like Dallas is going to just get up a little bit and then go to the run. They're not built that way, right? So, uh, you know, I think Zeke is a really safe play. He probably will be in almost every lineup I make, and then a lot of those lineups will be Zeke, Dak, Stacks, and then there will be, and then the lineups where I don't have Zeke, they're going to be Dak lineups. Um, I don't think I'll have very few, I probably just went a little overboard there. I maybe will have some lineups that don't have Deke or Zach, Zeke or Dak, but I don't, I don't think there are going to be many of them. It's just, there's just too much to like here, right? Um, the one player I don't see myself having a lot of is Cooper, just because I don't know if I'm going to be able to get to him. Um, and a really, quite honestly, CD Lamb, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get to him very much either. Um, and I know people sort of feel like maybe those are the two guys you want this week. I might be more inclined to, if I'm going to roster a receiver from Dallas, just go down, take Gallup on the cheap, open up some other good opportunities, hope that he's the low-owned guy, because everywhere I'm hearing says he probably will be. Um, and then I've got a way where I can tap into a big Zach game. Um, you know, Gallup and Zeke, that's not bad. Um, I'm not saying I'm not going to have any Cooper or any CD Lamb, but it's going to be sort of a, hey, I can fit these guys in on this build, I'll do it kind of thing. Um, and on the Giants side... It's, you know, it's almost like you're better off if you haven't actually watched the Giants play. Like, if you've watched them, like, the idea of buying them into suddenly figuring out football is not, it's, it's a tough sell. Um, but if you look at Jones' traditional ceiling, he is underpriced. When he goes off, he can get into the 30-point thing. He is using his legs. So all we need is for the Dallas defense to be that sort of offensive tonic for the Giants that it's been for everybody else, and we sort of have something here, right? And then if you and, and what's interesting is if you use the Jones stack instead of the Dak stack, well now I can fit in Cooper and I can fit in C.D. Lamb. Um, so you know, uh, or you can do a Jones Zeke stack, right? If Dallas gets up and Zeke's getting fed and Jones is chasing, that can work. Um, now, the real question is, you know, Evan Ingram, Slayton, Tate, like, how do we want to do this? I think for me, you know, probably more Slayton than the others, but I definitely want some Ingram and I definitely want some Tate. Um, if I'm game stacking, I'm definitely more than willing to use Jones with Slayton Ingram, Jones with Slayton Tate, Jones with Ingram Tate. I don't know if I'm going to build enough lineups to do that, but I could see how it would work. Um, the thing about building Jones lineups is you just have to be prepared for them to go completely bust. 
Um, and as long as you're in GPPs, I mean, you know, a bust is a bust. If my if my GPP lineup busts with 100 points, you know, a million miles from the money, or it misses by 10, what's the difference? Missed. So, you know, I'm definitely open-minded to some Jones lined up, Jones lineups. I, I just don't know how much I can stomach. Um, but it's it's definitely something where if you don't do it, just make sure you looked at it. You know, like look look all the way through it. Look at it from all the angles. See what kind of lineups it leads you to. Um, and then sort of determine whether it's something you want to use a lot of, a little of, or none of. Um, you know, Dak is definitely the safer way to do this. Um, Dalton Schultz in this game, I feel like they should be able to take their primary avenues to points in this game. So I think, and, and, and with the Cowboys, you know, their offensive line, their pass protection is going to be hurting. The Giants can rush the pass for a little bit. Schultz may get stuck more in pass pro this week than we've seen. Um, and that may take him off the board a little more than he's been. So I'm probably fading him. Now, obviously that can blow up in my face, uh, but that's probably what I'm going to do. Um, and let's not forget that Dallas is one and three, and you know when you look at them in that context, they're not just going to get up a score or two and put the offense away. If they have a chance to beat New York into the ground, I think they're absolutely going to do it. So uh, I'm not too worried about them getting you know ahead early in the game script changing. I'm a little bit worried. Like if I'm if I've got Dak, what I'm worried about is them getting way up. And Zeke scoring a bunch on the ground and killing my DAC lineup. So, um, you know, I'm not going to like 50% DAC or anything like that. Um, let me see. Anything else that I haven't really hit on this game? You know, one thing, and this is sort of just a tangent, not really related to DFS, but I mean, how good is Zeke Elliott and how much of this job? Does, I mean, remember, like just last year, oh, God, you know, Tony Pollard, he's so good. He's going to eat into Zeke's workload. Yeah, not so much. Um, now let's. I'm going to pull back here, and just make a couple observations um, of some things that I feel like I'm probably going to be playing, and this stuff will all get tightened up uh, tomorrow morning. So this will this will be a little summation, um, more in, you know, positional versus um, slate walk. And actually, before I get to the positions, um, I. I didn't really hit all the defenses I wanted to hit. I think I mentioned the Steelers at 38K. If for some reason you had more money and you wanted to get into that, you know, Kyle Allen pick explosion potential thing, you could play the Rams at 4K. Uh, I think, um, you know, maybe buying into a Fitzmagic meltdown, 49ers, 3,700 makes some sense. Um, the Chiefs home versus the Raiders at 35, you know, not bad. Uh, but the defense that I'm probably going to be playing more than any other because I need the money this week uh, is the Browns at 2,700 units, um, you know, hosting Phillip Rivers. I really like that. Um, and, and now, again, just to sort of drill down on the guys I plan on playing most, um, you know, I said, you know, a lot of GPP lineups for me this week, so I'm looking at a lot of different quarterbacks. Um, Dak right now probably probably more owned, I think, than most of the others. But Lamar, I'll have some lineups. Mahomes, I'm going to have some lineups. Deshaun Watson, I'm going to have some lineups. Kyler, I think, probably will find his way into a couple lineups. Um, I am very much considering Teddy Bridgewater and Daniel Jones. And you know what? I talked about the Bengals. I didn't mention Burrow, I don't think. And I think... You know, given that the Ravens haven't been as good defensively, they certainly haven't been as as tight defensively. There are holes there. Um, I think Joe Burrow in chase mode, given that we like some of his receivers, and you know, might be a way to mix in a little mixin, if you will. Um, I think you know a Burrow mixin, uh, you know uh, a Burrow T Higgins, um, a Burrow with Higgins uh, and with Tyler Boyd. I think these lineups could be pretty good um, in that Burrow has shown the ability to handle the heat and make good decisions decisions and they could be in big time chase mode um so you know having some lamar lineups and some burrow lineups you know that could make some sense uh moving down to the running backs again my board is pretty tight outside of those inexpensive options i went through earlier but uh zeke and hunt and edward solaire mike davis and for me james robinson and perhaps uh, a fair amount of mckinnon those are sort of going to be the those are going to be the six guys i'm using the most um and at receiver again it's very stack dependent some of these guys but i want to use a lot of robbie 
Robbie A, Robbie Anderson if I can. I want to get a fair amount of Slayton in my lineups if I can. Obviously, that'll be when I'm getting into that Dallas Giants game a lot. Um, Olamide Zacchaeus definitely is a guy uh, I plan on using. We'll use probably a fair amount as long as I know Julio is out. Uh, Deontay Johnson, uh, New Hopkins, Will Fuller, uh, Hollywood Brown. Again, these are all guys I want to stack as much as I can. A lot of GPP lineups for me this week. Uh, at tight end, I want to use a lot of Kittle. I want some Kelsey. I want some Andrews. I want some Waller. Uh, Evan Ingram when I'm getting into that Dallas game. And then I think if I need to go there, Hayden Hurst is a guy I might uh, tap for a little bit uh, this week. And then, you know, tomorrow I'll let you guys know, but I may decide to pay down at tight end here and there. Um, just not sure where I'm going to do that with uh, just yet. Um, and hey, I did a slate walk in under an hour. That's like a freaking record around here. Um, but uh, I'm going to break over that by doing another podcast tomorrow. So it's not like I'm under an hour um, for the week. Uh, anyway, that's what I've got as far as sort of a top-down look at the slate. Uh, I'll see you guys again tomorrow morning. Uh, good, luck with, good luck with all your lineup construction. But again, don't forget... Greed is good. We want to really focus on floor and ceiling. Um, and if you've got a lineup, if you've got a spot in any of your GPP lineups where you don't think the ceiling is there, I just want you to ask yourself the question: Why is this guy in my lineup? Now, maybe there's a reason for it, like with Troutman last week. But make sure there's a reason. Anyway, onward, upward. Do your due diligence. Sweep those corners, and uh, hopefully, we'll make some money this week. Giddy up.
Let me so 